Anklet Temple. Are we on? <laughs> Let's try a third time. Good morning, Cliff Temple. Wasn't that amazing to hear Caroline and Bill singing together? It was beautiful, wasn't it? Let's put our hands together again. Thank you. Really blessed my heart today, helping me to worship. I know that it did for you as well. Thanks to the choir and to John. Thank you for being here today. I'm so grateful to have the opportunity to worship with you and to bring to you a message, the last in my series on spiritual power. And so today, I want to encourage you to take a look at the study guide. Does everyone have a look at the study guide? If you do not have one of these when you came into the room today, would you please raise your hand? And we will make sure that you get one distributed to you. As we think about the idea of spiritual power, it may be that today that you have something in your life for which you need a special touch of God. It may be today that you need some inspiration or some wisdom to help you in the midst of a decision that you have. Today, God is with us in the power of the Holy Spirit, helping us to have the power that we need. I wanna pray for us as we begin together. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the gift of Jesus Christ. He indeed is worthy of all of our praise, of all of our thanks today. Oh God, I ask that you will bring an extra measure of grace to bear upon this service together. For I have indeed felt that your spirit is moving and I trust, O oh Lord, that you are helping us today to know that you are with us. God, people in this room today need your presence. They need to be reminded of your great love and power. God, we pray that today that you would help us to be a people of praise. We ask that you would help us that this would not be just a hollow, ritualistic worship service, but a time in which we truly draw near to your heart and receive the help that we need. We pray today, Lord, for our brother, Steve Sharp. We ask for healing upon him. We pray that you will give him today your strength and the comfort of this church family and to know that you are with him as he is walking that difficult road. We pray for our sister Elaine Smith today and her recovery. We thank you, oh God, for the help that you have given to her with her recent heart attack. God, we pray that you will be with Wanachoa and his cousin with upcoming surgery. We ask that you will bless him with healing and help and health. Oh God, today in this room, there are many other prayer needs. And so we ask, Lord, that in the quiet of these moments that you would help us to lift every request to you, that we would not hold on to these burdens, but that we would cast them upon you, knowing that you care for us. Oh God, be glorified today through us, your people known as Cliff Temple Baptist Church, and help us, Lord, to worship you today in the fullness of our lives. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. Today, I want to preach to you about the power of praise. David, as we have read, does a wild dance before the Lord. What I love about that scene is that David is all in with his worship. He is bringing all of his heart, all of his mind, all of his soul to worship the living God. This is not half-hearted commitment. It is not 
partial obedience or the leftovers of time and of money. No, David is all in, and that reflects what God wants from us as well. I'm going to pause here and make sure we get this mic just right. Thank you so much, John. There we go. Are we working now? Good. I feel free. That's great. (laughs) David is all in with his worship, and what that represents to us is his total devotion to God. We can think about the way that David worships as a little bit of a picture that can help us to think about our own worship of God as well. Now it doesn't mean that you are called to dance, but we would all agree that in the Bible there are many, many ways to worship. There is worship represented in the Bible through kneeling. There is the lifting up of hands. There is shouting. Uh, There is uh, uh, the uh, making of music through instruments. There are all sorts of ways that the Bible says that we are called to worship. There are many ways to worship, and the best style of worship for you or for me is the one that most authentically represents your love for God based on your personality and your life. So it doesn't mean that the way that you worship is the way that I worship. We give each other freedom as we think about how there isn't one size that fits all. And none of us bring glory to God by trying to be something that God did not create us to be. But here's what I want you to know today. No one can worship for you. Only you can worship. Just because you've come into this space doesn't mean that you are really a worshiper. All of us, we bring together the different gifts and personalities and ways in which we worship to bear on the corporate family of faith. And when we don't worship together in the fullness of who each of us is, then we are diminished spiritually. We can't let others dictate for us the way that we worship or somehow be afraid of the way that other people might speak of us. You may have heard of the little acronym called FOMO, which is the fear of missing out. It's what often keeps us from making a commitment because we're always thinking there's one more thing that we might want to say yes to. Well, this past week I heard the acronym FOPO. And FOPO stands for the fear of people's opinions. We can get so caught up in wondering or thinking what other people will think about us if we begin to express ourselves in worship more authentically. We can be afraid. Now, it's natural that we value other people's opinions. When we're kids growing up, we care about what our parents think, don't we? And we want to please them. When we get into middle school and high school, we start to focus even more on what our peers think about us, and then it gets a little bit unhealthy. One thing that I love about our senior adults is that by the time they get to their age, they don't care what anybody thinks, all right? This is who I am. I didn't get here by accident. And there's a real freedom often that comes in the later years of life, not caring what other people think. Here's what I want you to know today. Unless you get over the fear of other people's opinions, you won't experience the power of God fully. Unless you are able to bring your whole self to God in worship, God cannot pour out all that God is into you and bring the power of God to bear. I'm telling you this because I want us together to experience more joy and more celebration in worship. I want you to experience more joy and more blessing in 2020 as you learn to authentically praise. As God teaches us together what praise looks like. Paul wrote this to the Colossians. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, 
songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. That is God's desire for us as a fellowship, that the Word of God would dwell in us richly and that together as we hear teaching, as we lift up hymns and psalms and songs from the Spirit, those new songs that rise up within us, we will see something of the God of grace and power dwell more among us. If you're not worshiping fully in the way that God has created you, then all of us are affected. All of us are not as spiritually rich as we could be. But when we are all in together, then God is glorified and joy will increase. Now here's what it shows us in 2 Samuel. There is one person who is worshiping with his whole heart. And there's another person who is just kind of standing on the sidelines. David is so excited about bringing the Ark of the Covenant back into the center of his people. Now here's what you need to understand about the Ark of the Covenant. In ancient times, the Ark of the Covenant was the symbol of the presence of God. At that time, the believer was not the center, but instead the center of worship was in the tabernacle where the Ark of the Covenant was kept. That is where God dwelt. That is where ultimately worship was going to take place. Now that may not seem like a big deal to you, but with the loss of the Ark of the Covenant, that meant the loss of the presence of God. There was a time when the Philistines were battling the people and they took the Ark away, and so it was gone from the people. Then it remained another place before it came back into the center of worship. But David is so excited because the center of worship is being returned to the people of God. Now the Ark was a box-like structure made of wood, but then it was covered in gold. It was a beautiful, ornate object. And inside the box, there were three important artifacts. The first one was a jar of manna from the wilderness. Do you remember this story of the Hebrews being fed in the wilderness by the manna of God? They kept some of that manna and they always remembered how God was a God of provision for them. The second thing in the Ark of the Covenant was the tablets where the Ten Commandments were written. These were given to Moses on Mount Sinai where God was saying, I will be your God, you will be my people if you keep my commandments. And these were written down, the Ten Commandments. And so it was a symbol of God's purpose among the Hebrews. Now, the third artifact was Aaron's staff. That was a picture of God's guidance and God's protection over the Hebrew people. So the manna, the tablets, and the staff were all contained in this box, but really the most important activity was what happened above the box. Because the Hebrews believed between the two gold angels or cherubim, that is where the presence of God dwelt. So if the ark was not in the center of where the people were, then ultimately the people were not able to worship in fullness. This was the central symbol. It was not among the people in the city of David. It was staying at the home of a man by the name of Obed-Edom. And the Bible says that, that David heard that because he had the ark, God was blessing his home. So David said, I want that for all the people. So he makes a plan in order to bring the ark back into the center of worship. And David is dancing with all of his might. Now, why was he dancing? I believe he was dancing because first it was the way that God made him. 
He was able to dance. He was able to express himself in that way. He's dancing because he knows that when God is at the center, when people are free to worship, then God's blessing can be poured out. I believe that David is dancing because he knows what this means for the people when worship is at the very core of who they are. Some people were playing music. Some were shouting praise. People were worshiping all in. We've been down to Juarez, Mexico for three times now to help build homes. And before we leave, we worship with the local body. And I can tell you in Juarez, Mexico, there is great celebration in worship. There's clapping, there's shouting, just this great sense of celebration. I've been to Africa several times and I can tell you worship in Africa is vibrant. It's also very long. You can expect to be there for two or three hours. There's singing and dancing and then preaching and then more singing, more dancing, more preaching. It goes on and on. The worship is just so full of all the different ways that the Bible talks about worship. A friend of mine in Oak Ridge, Tennessee, David, once invited a, an African-American woman to his fellowship and, and she was kind of large. And so David was asking, well, why, why won't you come to my church? And she said, well, David, you have a church in a very small kind of space. She said, it's too cramped. There's no room for this body to move in your fellowship. And she was serious. That's the way that she worshiped. We're all built in different ways. The most important thing is that you worship in the way that God has called you to worship. So the presence of God, it should move us. The presence of God should make us want to sing. When God's presence is here, we should feel freedom to be who we are in the way that God has made us. We should expect when God is at the center that amazing things will happen. We will see some miracles we will see people blessed and comforted. We will see joy rise in our midst. Now that was David dancing before the Lord. But then when his wife saw him, she despised him. She was full of contempt. She was disgusted by David. In fact, did you notice she wasn't even there for the celebration? She was in this window kind of room looking down literally on David. And she held him in such contempt. Now this shows you the difference between David and Saul's house. This was the daughter of Saul and she married David but look at the difference in attitude. Saul had neglected the ark, he neglected true worship for the people but here was David, a great leader who was worshiping the Lord and she looks at him and thinks he is such a common person in this moment. That's so unsophisticated. Kings shouldn't be doing that. All that hand-raising and shouting and dancing, that is undignified. And what was David's response? I will celebrate before the Lord, he says. I will become even more undignified than this. I will be humiliated in my own eyes. If that's what it takes to worship the living God with my whole being, I will become undignified, he says. I want to ask you today, are you willing to seem undignified? Are you willing to get past that boundary, whatever it may be, that keeps you from worshiping out of who you are? Are we willing to do that as a family of faith? Are we willing to make that kind of room? 
Here's the question we need to really be asking. What will it take to see more joy and celebration rise in our church and in your life? What will it take to see more of that blessing? Because we know we want that blessing. So here are four essentials. First, we must place worship in the center of our life together. The center of Israel's worship was missing. It was critical that it get back in the right place. And so it is with us that worship must be in the center of all that we do. This isn't something optional. If we feel like we want to go or don't want to go, worship is not a time just to show up kind of relaxed, unexpectant, seeing what happens. This isn't something on our schedule like one more calendar item. Let me say this, if you like to keep a detailed calendar, as many people here in this room do, then I encourage you to put worship on your calendar. Put it down and protect it. Make sure that nothing gets in the way. That's how important worship is in the center of our community life together. Corporate worship. Now, can you worship anywhere? Absolutely. You can worship in your backyard. You can worship when you're washing the dishes. But the Bible also says do not neglect meeting with a church family. And the early church met every day in the temple courts praising God. Worship at the center of life. Worship in the center of life means worshiping each day, but also worshiping in the way that God has made you. In his book, Sacred Pathways, Gary Thomas identified nine ways that people draw near to God. Now let me share these with you and just hear where you might locate yourself. Naturalists are most inspired to love God outdoors, in natural settings. Sensates love God with their senses and appreciate beautiful worship services that involve sight, touch, sound, taste, and smell. Traditionalists draw close to God through liturgy, rituals, and symbols. Ascetics prefer to love God in simplicity and in solitude. Activists love God through confronting evil and battling injustice to make the world better. Caregivers love God by loving others and meeting their needs. Enthusiasts love God through celebration. Contemplatives love God through adoration. And intellectuals love God by studying with their minds. Where are you in all of that? How do you worship? Now, when we look at 2 Samuel, David is worshiping as an enthusiast. He is worshiping with all that he has, with passion. It says that David was dancing before the Lord, how? With all of his might, while he and all of Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouts and the sound of trumpets. Now they were following a ritual in bringing up the ark. They were out in nature. People were shouting. People were lifting up all the senses. So we see something of this celebration because all of that was present as David was worshiping. The most important thing in worshiping is to worship like you worship and making it the center of your life. God wants you to be yourself. That's why Jesus said in John chapter 4 these words. I love these words. That's the kind of people the Father is looking for. Those who are simply and honestly themselves before him in their worship. I want to ask you today, have you been worshiping 
in the way that God has made you? Or have you just shown up and sort of expected other people sort of in this process together? They're worshiping, but you're not really feeling it. Maybe today you're thinking, I haven't really been worshiping as God made me. Church, don't worry about the past. Just confess it to God and start worshiping today, making it the center of life. Second, if we want to see the joy rise among us, then we must be generous with what God has given to us. That's part of this story as well. After David dances before the Lord, this is what it says. They sat down at a meal together. Then he distributed to all the multitude of Israel, both men and women, a loaf of bread, a date cake, and a raisin cake. And all the people departed, each for his own home. Now in the ancient world, bread symbolized life. Bread was life. And so David gives to each of them a loaf of bread. I mean, think about this. We, we tend to take bread for granted. But try this. Go without bread for a week or two and see if you don't start thinking about bread. Bread symbolizes life. Jesus said of himself, I am the living bread. He said of his sacrifice, this is my body broken for you. We can't go a day without that living bread and remain spiritually satisfied. David gives that beautiful picture of bread, that symbol that helped people to know that God was with them, providing for them. Second, he gave them a date cake that would have reminded the people of God's power to save because that's what they ate at the Passover feast when they remembered how God saved them from slavery. And then he also gave them a raisin cake, which was a delicacy. It was kind of a fruit cake. How many people here like fruit cake? Yeah, there's always a few of you, aren't there? Yeah, uh-huh, yeah. Some people would have said, you know what, David, I'll take the loaf of bread and the raisin, but you can give the fruitcake to somebody else. But he gives them three different types of bread, that, that last one being a delicacy, you know, something that was sweet. And I read this and I was thinking, isn't that just like God? Doesn't God give us such good things? Not just being satisfied and full, but those things that bring sweetness to who we are. It was a generous gift that David gave. Generosity leads to joy. How many people in this room know that today? Generosity leads to joy. It brings joy to you and joy to others when you give generously with a glad and sincere heart. What a beautiful picture of the church is found in Acts 2.46. They worship together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. Oh, I love that picture of the church working together. And there was great joy as generosity bubbled up in their midst. When God blesses you in lots of ways, that's an opportunity to be generous and to give thanks to God. God doesn't bless you so you can be greedy. God blesses you so you can be more generous. The way that it works is you give away and then God gives you more so that you can give more away so God can give you more and on and on. And through that cycle, joy and celebration increase. Third, to see the joy rise among us, we must allow each other to be free and unafraid in worship. We must be ready when people worship in ways that are different from us. 
And may we not have a culture in which somehow together we sort of impose these ideas or thoughts when people are worshiping in a biblical way and they don't feel free. The truth is some of you sometimes feel afraid. Don't be afraid. The Bible says that over and over, don't be afraid. Sometimes even our spouses can keep us from worshiping freely. If that's true, you may need to have a conversation about how you're feeling. Let me say again, no one can worship for you. And you can't let others dictate how you feel led to worship. David said, I will celebrate before the Lord. I will become even more undignified than this. I will be humiliated in my own eyes. He has a passion and a desire saying, whatever it takes, I am going to get in the presence of God. I am going to worship in the way that God has made me. He wouldn't let others bring him down or dictate how he was going to worship. Earlier this past week, as I was reading on this passage, do you know the first thing that came to mind? It was the, the movie Footloose. Do you remember the movie Footloose? I think it came out in the 80s, a Kevin Bacon movie. Jen had a big crush on Kevin Bacon growing up. In fact, she still has a tiny crush on Kevin Bacon today. We saw a movie recently with Kevin Bacon. So I turned to her and I said, look, honey, Kevin Bacon got old. And she looked at me and said, and so did you. <laughs> Point taken. This movie Footloose really defined Kevin Bacon, you know, on the scene. And it's that story of this group of people who want to dance. But, of course, it's the town pastor and the other local authorities who will not let them dance. So what happens? They end up dancing in private. They have all these sort of parties and things, but it's not sort of out in public. And that's sort of the point, ultimately, to sort of publicly to acknowledge that. I believe there are many people here who are like that story in Footloose. In private, they're a little more open, a little more expressive not afraid to raise their hands, not afraid to even sing a new song, something that bubbles up in their heart, but something happens that it stays private. Maybe some people here even dance in private before the Lord because that is perfectly biblical. And yet something happens when we get in the public scene to where we feel like we just cannot be ourselves. God made you the way God made you. Don't deny that. And don't let someone who worships differently than you do or someone who is actually lukewarm in their faith to keep you from worshiping the way God made you. I saw a beautiful prayer this week. Lord, set me free from bondage. The expectations of others, stress and fear. Finally, if celebration and joy is going to rise among us, we must expect joy to rise as we serve with gladness. We must expect it. When we are all in for worship, we should expect God will increase our joy. And when you do the things of God, God's joy will be yours. It says in Psalm 102, serve the Lord. How? With gladness. Come into his presence with singing, the Bible says. To serve with gladness, we will see joy rise in our midst when we do that. In a few weeks, we're going to have a special service of baptism on Good Friday. You may have seen this little flyer. It's out there in the pews, uh, kind of on the little envelope rack. 
we have not had an outdoor baptism in a long, long time with Cliff Temple, but I felt led to organize this and to promote it and to welcome the community to come and be baptized. Now, we want to make sure that decisions are genuine. We are inviting people into a relationship with the Lord, and I believe that as we host this baptism, that we are going to see the joy in our community rise. I want to encourage you, mark your calendar. Good Friday on that day. We've got some other Holy Week events that I hope you'll attend. But on Good Friday, I want the whole church together as we celebrate what God is doing in our community. And I want to encourage you to spread the news of Jesus Christ. Invite your friends. I'll bet you have a few friends or people that you know that would say, you know, I made a decision some time ago. I I think I'm a Christian, but I, I was never baptized. I never stepped out in faith. This is an opportunity for you to reach out to those friends, neighbors, and co-workers to come and share in the joy of God, making God the center of their lives. I can see it in my mind's eye. I can see the joy of that fellowship. And I hope that you'll be here for that. Worship must be at the center of all that we do. Many years ago, I took a group of 15 youth and six adults to Romania. And we were building a church there. There was, in that little village, a few believers, but there was no church, no central place where they could gather for worship. So we took this group and we spent the week building a simple cinder block church that could seat about 100 people. And during the week, uh, I had the opportunity to work on the building, but also to share the gospel and to help people in different ways. And it was a joy, I tell you, to hear people say yes to Jesus Christ. To hear them say they wanted to be baptized and to give their lives to Christ. It was a great celebration. Really, the whole week you could tell as that church was being built, that church building, you could feel the joy in that village rise. Well, it came time for the dedication. And so we gathered together Uh, There were several speakers, and the church was full with community members. And I remember someone was speaking, and we were all listening. It was kind of a quiet moment. But then we heard some noise off in the distance, and it began to grow. It seemed like it was moving in our direction, and finally we realized what had happened. A ragtag band had been formed. People from the community who could play a trumpet or a trombone or a tambourine they were making their way through that little village and they came all the way into the church all the way down the aisle and they were singing and playing and the drums were loud and there was this incredible sense of joy what caused that joy it was because God was being put into the center of that community. And the people sensed it. They knew it, that something special was happening. Church, I want to see joy rise among us in 2020. I want to see praise rise among us. So I want to ask you today, are you worshiping in the way that only God has created you to worship? Are you all in with worship? And together, are we all in as a family of faith. Would you pray with me? Oh God, forgive us when we have allowed the expectations of others 
the opinions of others to dictate how we worship, to keep us, Lord, silent sometimes or on the edge of worship and yet not fully, Lord, moving into your presence. God, we pray that you would help us. Help us, Lord, to worship as we have been created without fear. God, we ask that in this year that joy would rise in our midst, God, as each of us seeks to be worshipers in our homes and workplaces, but also as we gather as a family of faith. God, we pray that the spirit of worship, the joy of praise would rise among us. Oh God, we pray that you would be glorified in all that we say and do, that this church would be a light that this church would be a beacon of hope for those who are hurting in our community. Oh God, we bring before you ourselves today and we ask that you will bless us by your Holy Spirit. And we pray this in Christ's name.